I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 161, in which my mouth hurts. And I'm recording this on Sunday, July 6, 2014. And I want to start out by saying thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you especially to any new listeners who are joining me new for this episode. And don't worry, I don't normally whine about pain. Um, there's just some special circumstances this time that I just have to get off my chest. But in any case, uh, thank you also to those of you who have been around um, especially to those who have been around since the very beginning. And thank you to anybody who's left reviews on iTunes. I have not checked in the last few weeks, but I know you folks are very good about doing that. And please do so with all of the other podcasters out there, and especially anybody who's just entered the podcasting world. It's always good to um, give them a little bit of boost. The more listener reviews we have and star ratings and such, I believe the higher our podcast show up on search engines or something like that. I don't really know how it works, but anyway, it's always nice to see. So thank you for taking the time to do that as well. I have a quick announcement. First of all, the 2014 Quilty Resolution second quarter check-in uh, finished up this week, last night. I did have a little bit of a glitch where the Rafflecopter widget actually ended 24 hours before I was expecting it to, so I quickly made up a new one and had a second one, but I believe everybody who was going to post did, and I would like to announce the winner. Congratulations to Janet of JF Quilts. A big woohoo out to you. I want to hear everybody cheering and clapping her on and not booing and hissing because you didn't win. So congratulations, Janet. Thank you to everybody for playing along. And I'll be reading some of the comments and some of the results from the poll that was included in the Rafflecopter widget as well. Um, and now start working towards the third quarter check-in, which will be, what is that, September, I believe? I'm going to have to figure out the end of the year one in December because I'm actually going to be out of the country in December, but we'll worry about that later. Uh, congratulations again to Janet. So, Sandy update. Um, this weekend was the 4th of July here in the United States, and of course there's a hashtag, J4SI, I believe Daisy of Lazy Daisy Quilt started that one for the July 4th sew-in weekend. Um, I celebrated by putting myself in some pain, but first I actually, we had early dismissal in our office on Thursday, and so I was done a little bit earlier in the afternoon than normal, and I got to spend a little bit of time at my sewing machine before my husband and I went out for dinner that night. And then we spent Friday the 4th itself at our local um, Living History Museum Village, which I know I talked about in the last episode that we we're going to be doing that. It was really nice. It, the weather was freaking perfect. It was such a gorgeous, gorgeous day to be outside. Um, you know, I was in a sleeveless top and jeans and was not too hot, not too cold. It was great. It was just about mid-70s, I think beautifully sunny with white fluffy clouds going through the air. It was just gorgeous and we had a really nice time and it turned out to be kind of old home week because we ran into my BFF BQF Kate and her two kids while we were there and so we had lunch together at the same picnic table and a guy from my church was flipping burgers at the stand where we went to get our lunch and so we talked to him for a little bit and then um there's the uh, cornet band, a historical, you know, kind of reenactment band that plays every year is the one that I used to play with when I was in college um, because it's led by the same person who does the, the folk music string band from the college that I played in through my college years. Um, I did piccolo back then. Flute, well, I was a flute player and who learned piccolo mostly for that band and also learned spoons and washboard. I am a woman of many musical gifts, <laughs> although I was always better at spoons than washboard, but that's a whole other story and not appropriate for a quilt podcast. Uh, but in any case, so we went to, to go see them and I was kind of surprised. I, I wasn't really expecting to know anybody in the band at this point other than the band leader and actually two, um, two folks in the band. One was in the band 
not really with me. It's kind of a long story. His, he was friends with a good friend of mine is how I met him. And we were all friends together in high school, even though he went to a different high school. Um, but he's still very connected with the band leader and that music world. And so he was playing in the band. So it was good to catch up with him. And then our mutual friend's husband was in the band. I was actually at their wedding. I was actually at both of their weddings. So it was kind of funny. We were talking about how we were all at each other's weddings. Um, so it was good to stand and talk to them. And my friend's husband, their son was, one of their two sons was also there, which is the first time I've seen him since he was a baby. And he's like, you know, 16 now, something like that. Um, and man, he walked up and before my friend's husband even introduced him, I knew immediately he was their son because he's a dead ringer for my friend. He looks just like her. Uh, so anyway, it was good to see all of them. It was a lot of fun. Um, just kind of going over old times and kind of, you know, like I said, old home week. So that was a nice surprise for the day. But mostly it was just a beautiful day. It was really relaxed day for my husband and I. Um, we got home kind of mid-afternoon. I spent a little bit of time in my hammock chair reading um, while the dogs desperately tried to get me to play. <laughs> I did play with them a little bit, but Sam kept coming over and dropping his tennis ball in my lap and I wanted none of it, especially because it was kind of slobbery at that point. Um, and then on the spur of the moment, my son came over for dinner. So it was just, you know, a very pleasant day. Saturday, I spent most of the day working on the graduation gift and I got it done Saturday afternoon and I was really excited and I was on this kind of, you know, that buzz you get when you finish a project you've been working on for a long time and it feels good to have it done and you're like, okay, what can I start next when I broke a tooth? Now, <laughs> this is, it's a tooth I had, um some work done on once before it had never broken before but it had had some work done on it a couple months ago and um apparently it was just still weak there was actually a crack in it which i could feel but i didn't really know it was actually a full crack i thought maybe it was just something in the enamel um but then i was eating pretzels as a mid-afternoon snack and this tooth had actually started bothering me a few days ago and i'd been kind of waiting to see if the pain would go away if it was just a momentary thing and I had finally decided, you know, on Thursday or Friday, I guess I'll have to call the dentist because I had an appointment coming up anyway in August and I was going to try to just tough it out. And I finally decided, no, I really, I probably should take care of this because I'm about to start my summer travel and God forbid I'd be at a work event and suddenly start having real issues. So I had just decided I would call the dentist on Monday to make the appointment when my tooth decided for me. Uh, so I was eating pretzels or something and one of the pretzels I was trying to chew on the one the good side of my mouth and one slipped across and I just heard that crunch and I was like oh something's not right now fortunately it doesn't actually hurt terribly well as long as I stay on Advil or Tylenol um, it's there I mean I can feel it I would say on the pain scale of one to ten it's probably normally around a three kind of permanently and then periodically bumps up to about a five and then I take Tylenol and I stop moving or whatever and it's fine again. Um, I'm hoping I can get through talking through this podcast. I, we'll see how long it can go because it's the crack is actually on the inside so my tongue rubs against it so it's a little bit sore. Um, but I've I just I can't chew so I, I had smoothies for dinner last night, um, made myself a yogurt and fruit smoothie um, had cream of wheat for breakfast this morning. And then wouldn't you know, today I get invited out to lunch with BFF BQF Kate because one of our other high school friends, if you remember, those of you who have been listening for a while, BFF BQF Kate and I have known each other since like first grade. Well, another one of our old buddies was in town to visit her parents for the weekend. And so we all decided to go out to lunch today. And as last night, as we were texting back and forth to try to figure out where's and when's and all that, I said, well, here's another monkey wrench in the works. I can't chew. <laughs> so, so what that actually meant was we decided instead of our original thought had been to go to Aunt Cookie's because that's a sub shop in town, uh, in the town where we all grew up. That is the world's best subs. Nobody will ever convince me any other subs anywhere are better than Aunt Cookie's. Um, and that's normally our go-to place because we all love Aunt Cookie subs and you can't get subs like that anywhere else. So um, Kate had decided, I guess we really shouldn't go to Aunt Cookie's because it would just be too cruel for the two of us to be sitting there eating subs and not let, have say because <laughs> there's no way I could work bread. Bread's just not going to happen. Uh, so we ended up going to another restaurant in town and I, I ended up ordering, um, I had thought I would just have soup or maybe I knew they had fish on the menu. Maybe I could have fish. What I ended up doing was getting a turkey burger without the roll. 
and then I just chopped the turkey burger up on my plate into really, really small pieces. Um, so I really didn't have to chew much at all. And then I had sweet potato fries, which are kind of, you know, mushy to start with. I mean, these had a nice crisp coating, but I didn't really have to bite them. So that all worked well. Um, and then my daughter decided she wants to make mac and cheese, homemade mac and cheese for dinner. So I said, yeah, I can probably just gum that too. That's probably okay. Uh, so, you know, I would like to, at first I thought, well, maybe I'll actually lose a pound or two <laughs> just if I'm on this liquid diet. Um, but the mac and cheese tonight, it won't be too bad because she's making it with skim milk, but it's still not always the healthiest choice. Uh, the, I did call my dentist. Um, I called his emergency number because, of course, this stuff always happens on a holiday weekend. You know it's going to. Um, but I did, you know, I called the dentist office and in the voicemail there was the emergency number. So I called it and it's his personal cell phone. And he was in Houston, but he was flying back. I think he said he was getting back this morning. Um, so he, you know, asked me a bunch of questions and then had me do a couple, you know, like breathing air in and did I feel pain or anything. And there's no exposed nerve. Um, and so he really wasn't that worried about it. And he said, I can get you in Monday. If it's really bad on Sunday, give me a call Sunday morning and I'll get you in. Well, it's, it's not bad enough to warrant. So I will be going in tomorrow. I've already taken a sick day tomorrow. I already emailed my supervisor say, I, I'm just not, because I'm hoping the appointment can be in the morning. And I'm a real wuss about dentists. You know, I can go through a whole lot of different medical procedures and just breathe my way through them and not overly stress about them and be okay. When it comes to the dentist, I am a wuss. <laughs> I am terrible. And I think part of it is I have a freakishly strong gag reflex. I mean, I, I almost, it's even just to have them put their fingers in my mouth for a cleaning, I have to really breathe and relax myself through it so I'm not gagging. And a lot of times I have to, you know, we have the signal, I put my finger up, they take their fingers out, I gag, and then <laughs> we go back to, to doing what they have to do. So when they have to do any fillings or anything, I'm pure Novocaine. You've got to numb me as much as possible and unconscious would be even better, but, um, you know, they, they rarely will let me go unconscious. So whatever he's going to have to do for this thing tomorrow, I, I really, like I said, I would prefer to be unconscious. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I've never had a broken tooth, so I don't, and because of the way this one's broken and because there's already fillings in there, I don't know what all is going to be involved in fixing it. Um, so I'm a little apprehensive. So I decided I'm going to just cut to the chase and take the day off from work because I don't take sick days that often. I just don't want to deal. So anyway, that's my tooth issue. Um, other than the tooth issue, I've had a very, very nice weekend. I was thrilled to get that graduation gift done, and I even started making some progress on my next project. So let's talk about that stuff now, because you didn't want to talk about tooth pain. You wanted to talk about quilting. So let's get to that fun stuff. So let me go grab the graduation gift and put it in front of me so I can look at it and remember what all those little things were I was going to tell you about it. Hang on. Okay, um, this was the gift that a friend of mine had, um, initially she had asked if she could commission me to make something for her daughter. And as I believe I've talked about on this podcast before, I don't do commissions because as soon as somebody's paying me for something, I really, really stress about it because I feel like if they're paying for it, it's got to be like perfect. They can't not like anything. Whereas if I give it to them as a gift, they have to like it. You know? <laughs> Even if they don't like it, they have to say they like it and it, it takes the pressure off. Um, so I had asked her, do you want me to do something hand dyed or do you want me to do something quilted? And she said, oh, whichever you want to do. Well, it took me several months to even decide. This was back in October we had that conversation. It took me several months to even land on what I was going to do. And what I eventually decided to do was a whole cloth wall hanging using a hand dye. So I'm kind of doing both. I am using my hand dyes and it's quilted. Um, and this, the friend of mine uh, is actually one of our officers in our organization. Um, and she is also uh, a minister. And her kids are very, very into church. Just really, that's their organizing principle around their family life. Um, and her daughter, for whom this quilt is going to go, is just has a gorgeous singing voice. And at the time, uh, had said she was going into college for vocal studies. I believe she's now changed that. I think she wants to do music therapy now. But in any case, she's still, you know, music is still her thing. Um, and she still has that singing voice. So what I eventually decided to do was uh, I chose the word Psalm 98 uh, because the psalm fits her perfectly, but I didn't... <laughs> 
basically I didn't want to do all those words. I, I couldn't have done the whole psalm anyway, but even just like the first line, I was like, well, I don't really have a piece of dyed, you know, most of my hand dyeds are basically more or less a fat quarter size. And in order to have the words really stand out, they need to kind of be a certain size. And, you know, I didn't, couldn't do that many words. So anyway, I just cited, so it just says Psalm 98 in the middle. I did the words um, by printing it out on some water-soluble stabilizer that I have. And I wrote about that. There will be a blog post coming out um, in a couple of days. I want to get this in the mail first. She doesn't read my blog, so I don't particularly, I don't think she does anyway. So I don't worry about that. But I feel like it should at least have a shot at getting to her before the blog post goes live. So I think I've got the blog post scheduled for Tuesday. So I do give some information in that as well as pictures. Um, so I talk about the water-soluble stabilizer and how that all worked and how I did that in the blog post. So I won't go into that here. Um, and then I got that part done and I got the words stitched out. And then it sat for a little while because I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do around it. I was pretty sure I wanted to do two feathers, but I couldn't decide if I wanted to do another design kind of intersecting with it or whatever. Um, eventually I decided, well, let me just do the two feathers and then we'll see. So each one of these, I kind of did a step and then decided what I wanted to do next and then decided what I was going to do next again. Um, the feathers I did very much using Ann Peterson's style of feathers that I did in her craftsy class. Um, I did, however, sketch them out first. I still, I don't feel like I'm really good at freehanding feathers without having some sort of sketch to follow. I did not mark them, like I didn't use a spool and draw around it, or I didn't use any stencils or anything. I did freehand draw it, um, and then I only more or less stayed on those lines <laughs> as I was quilting, but, you know, that doesn't matter. All it did was it gave me the confidence of kind of knowing where I was going, and I'm, I'm fairly pleased with the way the, the feathers turned out. I have a plumer here or, or there that are a little bit more hot dog shaped than feather shaped, but they don't, you know, they blend in with the rest of it. So overall, I was pretty happy with it. So I have one feather that goes over the top and one that arches around the bottom um, and they alternate. So like one starts on one end and finishes on the other and then the other one starts on that end and finishes back where the other one started. Um, they do not touch in the middle, and so I, I, I ended up kind of quilting. I made sort of two, I made it look like the stem sort of continued around the side. Um, just it felt like it needed the whole Psalm 98 just bracketed in this oval um, rather than having these kind of open ends. And then I let that sit for a little while. Um, I did use a heavier thread. I used a, 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 which way does it go? I used a 40 weight thread to outline the feathers. I believe I had also used a 40 weight thread to outline the letters. I think I used the same thread. Um, and then I decided I really wanted to do filler uh, for the rest. And I was gonna do the, the little circles, the pebbles, and then really, really narrow lines. And the narrow lines comes from the Sydney Needham crafts, Craftsy class. So I really was kind of putting into effect all sorts of things that I've learned uh, this spring out of Craftsy, which was kind of fun. Um, and so for those, I wanted to use a much thinner, lighter or thinner weight thread. So I went to, I ended up going to Joann's and buying some sulky 40 weight uh, thread and it worked pretty well. I didn't really have any problems with breakage. Or, you know, I've, I've not been real keen on sulky in the past, but this thread worked pretty well. Um, so I did circles and circles and circles and circles and circles and then I did lines and I sort of, um, was a little bit abstract. I did circles all the way around both sides of the feathers and all of the sides of the letters. So everything is circled first. And then I did the lines in between where I had left gaps, you know, between the circles. And I think that was pretty effective. I, I like the end result. Um, the lines are nowhere near straight and Cindy Needham says they actually look better when they're not. So I believed her <laughs> and, and it's true. I mean, they really look pretty good. Um, there's only a couple of places where you can really see it kind of go off. And that was because the more you quilt a piece, the stiffer it gets, you know, heavier quilting makes for a stiffer piece. And so I kept running in, <laughs> into the, the side of my machine and sort of knocking my path off a little bit. Uh, the other problem I had a little bit of an issue with was um, the fabric itself. 
I had made the decision, and because this is the way I do it when I'm quilting less. Next time, if I'm quilting this heavy, I don't think I would do this. I had actually based, basted all along the outside edges of the piece to kind of hold everything more stable. But what ended up happening with such heavy quilting is there was nowhere for the fabric to go. So I do have some puckers, not super obvious ones. I can see them. Um, and any quilter who looks at this for any time would see them. But I, I don't think the muggles who are receiving this will really notice. And some of that was because I had based it around the outside. And secondly, it was also because I had changed my mind a few times on... I had sketched out in chalk, you know, one design and then decided, no, I'm not going to like that. So I, I went in with just a damp cloth and kind of washed off, you know, just lightly damp and kind of got the chalk off of it. Um, and then would go in and sketch something else and decide, oh, I don't like that. So I'd go in and kind of wash it. And all of that, I think, made the fibers in the, the fat quarter just a little bit looser. So again, there was a little more fabric wiggling to deal with. Um, but again, in the long run, not a big deal. I think, as I have now learned, I just wouldn't baste on the outside edge, so the fabric has somewhere to go. Um, so I had done the words. I had done the feathers. I knew from the get-go that I was going to use silver paint sticks, Shiva paint sticks, to highlight the words. So I went ahead and did that. And I really liked the way that looked, but then the feathers just kind of disappeared. And I debated for a little while whether I was going to paint the feathers too, but I didn't want just this whole in-your-face kind of silver thing. Um, I debated, did I want to use other colors? Was just kind of waffling about it. So I did call in some consultants. I emailed a couple of people um, and sent them a picture and said, okay, here's some things I'm thinking about, but I'm kind of not sure where I want to go next. What would you think? And they gave me advice and I appreciated it. And I ended up doing um, kind of two out of, well, one thing that they had suggested, one person had suggested, and I still debated the other, but I ultimately decided, let me do the first thing first and see what needs. And one person had suggested, which I hadn't thought about doing, was outlining the feathers with a metallic thread. And I hadn't thought about that. I did think, I already knew I thought I was gonna put crystals on the feathers because this young woman is a very vibrant personality and just you know it just seemed like bling fit her um so i already knew i was going to do the crystals i had not thought about using metallic thread and i thought well let me try that let me do the metallic thread and then see if it still feels like it needs something else other than the crystals and so i went out and um again just ran to uh Joanne's because now it, this was the afternoon of the 4th of July and so no quilt shops were open so I said well let me just go see what Joanne's has and I ended up getting it was again a sulky and it's not a metallic thread it's the you know the the holographic one that's almost more of a thin plastic ribbon kind of thing and man it is it looks wonderful I actually bought three different colors because I hadn't brought the project with me um, and I wasn't really sure which shade, you know, when I first went, I had a particular color in mind and they had that color, but then I saw two other shades of blue and one was kind of more of a blue green. This whole thing, by the way, is blue. I don't think I mentioned that. Um, it's a hand dyed modeled kind of a royal blue. And so I kind of, I was leaning towards that dark blue, but I said, well, let me pick up these other two and I'll lay them out, you know, I'll, I'll pull them onto the quilt when I get home. And I actually went with a lighter blue than I'd originally thought. And I'm glad I did because it actually, the holographic effect was less blue. It was kind of a mix of a blue and a silver. So I thought, well, that might pick up the silver in the letters better. And it really, it's very nice. It's still subtle, um, but you can definitely see the sparkle and the sparkle has more of that silver in it. Um, and then I also bought Hotfix crystals there at Joann's. And these are, they're you know, essentially they're the crystals that you see on quilts all the time. You just, you glue them, they have an adhesive on them and you hit them with an iron for 15 to 20 seconds and that's what adheres them to the, the quilt. So after I did the um, metallic thread along the outside edge of the feathers, I then glued the crystals on and I knew it didn't need anything else. Um, no more paint stick, nothing else. It really was nice just like that. Um, partly because it would have been hard to do any shadowing on the feathers, I would have had to do that before I did the metallic thread because otherwise I'm just kind of painting over the metallic thread and I didn't want to do that. But even so, it balances nicely. The sparkle from the crystals is enough bling to catch your eye and lead it away from 
the big silver letters in the, the center. So I was very pleased with that effect. Uh, the metallic or the holographic thread, it did break two or three times. I did all the stuff you're supposed to do. I made sure it was, um, I only have upright spool holders on my machine. I don't even have one that goes sideways, but metallic threads are supposed to behave better on uprights anyway. Um, and I had a metallic needle. Um, now you don't have to use the metallic one, but I did have one. And so I was using that and I had adjusted my tension and, and I was going much slower and I had tested it out on a test, you know, on a spare quilt sandwich um, that I use for practicing and it was working beautifully. And I had the tension, you know, I adjusted the tension back and forth to what it really needed to be. And actually I got about three quarters of the way through the first feather, feather before I had my first break. So it wasn't like it was breaking every 30 seconds. It was, I think it broke three or four times altogether doing both feathers. Um, so for me, that wasn't that big a deal. Now, if I was trying to do more than just these two feathers and it was breaking at that rate, eventually it would drive me nuts. Um, but it it worked pretty well and it wasn't that annoying for what I was trying to do. Um, and I, I love the effect. So that's definitely something. The last time I used metallic thread was probably 12, 13 years ago and it stunk. Um, I hated metallic thread back then and it was definitely a metallic thread. It wasn't this holographic stuff. But I think threads have gotten a lot better. And certainly I know better what I'm doing. Um, so like I said, I really didn't have that much of a problem with it. I would use it again, probably not on an entire quilt, but on a small wall hanging like this where I'm just doing something for emphasis. I think it worked beautifully. Um, and then, like I said, these hot fix crystals, they worked really, really well. I have a little clover mini iron. It's the one that's kind of the wand shape with the little shoe on the end of it. Um, and that's what I used because I could go in and just do one crystal at a time. They do have a tool. If I was thinking I would use these crystals more often, I would probably buy, they do actually have a tool they sell with the crystals. You can buy it in the same section of Joann's. Um, that's more of a kind of a straight up and down. You just hold it right over the top of the thing and it, it's not an, an iron. I might actually get that because the problem I had was I would lay the um, crystal, in some cases using tweezers because they're kind of small, I would lay the crystal where I'd want it and then I'd carefully put that shoe down, on, you know, the iron down on top of it. But because it's a wand, you're kind of coming at it from a little bit of an angle and you have to be really careful to get it right on top of it. And I did have one or two of the crystals slide a little bit on me. Um, so having, which nobody else would know, I just know it's not exactly where I intended it to be. Um, so I think having that kind of straight up and downy thing where you're not coming at it from an angle might be more safe in terms of getting that crystal exactly where you want it. I did decide to line up my crystals, um, not in a line with each other, but rather focus on where each one was centered in the plume that it's in, which means when you look at it as a whole, they look like they're not in line, but they each look much better and organic as part of that plume. Like, you know, this is a crystal feather that grows crystals as part of its plume. So I, I, that was something I kind of went back and forth on, but decided to go with the, um, putting the emphasis on the individual plumes rather than on the overall is everything in line with each other. And then I did the binding by machine, um, and messed up. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I think I was just getting too excited about the fact that I was almost done. I was using my binding tool, my Fonz and Porter binding tool. It has never steered me wrong before, but somehow I cut the binding about an inch short at the end when I had it all together. And because I'm using hand dyes, I had no other fabric to go and fill it, to redo a binding. Um, so I just, I took a little bit of the end that had been left over, kind of scooched it in between the two ends and just sewed it all together. So there's one part that has two seams right next to each other. I don't think again, and then I went in and just hand stitched it down where the joins are. So it's not super obvious. I of course see it immediately as soon as I look at it. Um, but I don't think they'll really notice. And the putting it on by machine, I actually did that. I was going to do it by hand, but again, after quilting all of this so heavily, there's very little fabric left to get a needle into <laughs> to do a hand stitch. And the fabric I used for my backing is another one of my hand dyes, but it was one of my very early ones and it has no fabric softener or anything on it. And I believe it might've even been, might've even been a snow dye. I don't remember exactly what technique I used for this one because it was really early on, 
but the fabric is particularly stiff. So all in all, I was like, I'm not going after this by hand with a needle. Everything's going on by machine. Um, and other than the glitch at the end, my machine binding really looks very good. I used a buttonhole stitch as I've been doing and um, it worked really well. So I was pleased with that too. So altogether, on this project altogether, I would probably give myself about a B plus on it, maybe, yeah, B plus, maybe an A minus. Uh, there's a lot that I look at and say, oh, I wish I could have done that a little bit better, or gee, I got a whole lot better at circles by the end than when I started out in the beginning. I mean, I can look at it and know exactly where I started versus where I ended. Um, and there were a couple of places where I kind of glitched and went further than I wanted to with a particular stitch and had to go back in and cover it up with a different stitch just to keep things kind of balanced. Um, but again, nobody else would notice that. I see it, but nobody else would necessarily see where it is. Um, and I did have a couple of spots where unfortunately little flecks of paint ended up and I did not see them in time to pick them off easily. So uh, there's a little bit of a silver spot in a place, but I, I don't think it would be overly noticeable to anybody else. Um, so now that I've just told you everything that's wrong with this, so when you see the pictures of it on the blog, you'll immediately see all the things that are wrong with it as well. I am still pretty pleased with the way it worked, and I had a lot of fun doing it because it allowed me to, to test out a lot of new stuff that I hadn't been able to do before. Um, and mostly I'm just thrilled it's done because that was my last project that had a deadline. I do have one more project I'm working on specifically for somebody else, but she doesn't even know I'm working on it. So... It's a matter of whenever I get it done and can give it to her, she will be thrilled to get it, but she doesn't know it's coming, so it's not hanging over my head like an anvil. Um, all the rest of my stuff is just my projects, and kind of back to, that means I can go back to my slow quilting. Um, I can go back to taking my time with stuff, which is going to feel really good, especially this summer, because I'm not going to get a ton of really concentrated quilting time. Um now, what I did do as soon as I got that project done, after I broke my tooth and took some Advil and sat and whined for a little bit and then decided, no, okay, I guess this isn't going to start turning into real pain. Um, I, you know, the first hour I kept waiting for, when is the real serious bring me to my knees pain going to kick in? and never did. So once I knew, okay, I, I can manage this, um, I went back to my sewing studio and started working seriously on my next project, uh, my next craftsy class, which is Thread Art with Lola Jenkins. And I had already started the process. I had already gotten some of it done, um, some of the prep work done last weekend. But this time I was able to actually really sit down and move it forward. And the class is really interesting. It's not what I thought it was going to be when I bought it. I thought, you know, Thread Art, I was thinking it was all going to be thread sketching, thread painting. And it's, it's not really that. You do do um, some thread work, but then you color it in with colored pencils. So when I first you know, when I first bought the class and kind of went through it and realized that's really what the emphasis on the class was, I was a little disappointed. But then I thought, well, you know, that could be kind of fun. Let me try it. And actually, I'm I'm really getting a kick out of it. Um, I am, of course, making things more complicated for myself than I really needed to, as I tend to do. So there is a class project. She does um, The Girl with the Pearl Earring, which is a very famous portrait um, maybe even more famous now because it was the cover image on a book of the same name, which I had read years ago. And it's a very nice portrait. I like the portrait quite a bit, but it was not something I felt the need to have quilted in my home. Um, so I had decided early on I was probably going to do a different portrait. Um, and then the portrait I thought I was going to do, I decided last week, no, that would really be way too complicated because there was too many other things. I was going to have to do some photo editing to get certain things out of it and put other things back in or whatever. And I decided, no, let me do things a little more simply. So I am doing um, a photo I took of a flower in Hawaii a few years ago. And it's a, it's a photo I've always wanted to do somehow in either fabric or thread painting or something. So I thought, well, this would be a good way for me to use it first. And then I'll see if I want to use it again for other stuff later. Um, I photo edited the flower so that I could get the outline and then I taped the fabric up in my window over the outline and traced around it. Um, at that point I felt like it needed something. In the class she does overlays which is like a secondary design that you put over that intersects or covers up parts of the original and she kind of sews them out as two separate pieces. Um, I'm not describing that well but you'll have to buy the class. 
I decided with this particular flower, I didn't want an overlay. I didn't want anything intersecting with it because I thought it was going to be complicated enough as it was. Um, but it did need something. And what I ultimately decided to do was um, I found, I have a book on my shelf of Hawaiian quilt blocks that I bought when I was in Hawaii. And I chose one that had a good um, kind of a border to it if I cut out the center. And so I did, I traced it, um, the way the book is set up, it makes it very easy for you to do as a Hawaiian quilt, quilt block, which is what they do is they fold the fabric into four and then they only draw a quarter of the design or eight. It depends on how complex the block is, eight, 16, you know, whatever. And you draw the design, you do it essentially like a paper snowflake. And so I did out the quarter and just drew the outside edges. I didn't draw any of the center. And so I cut that out. And so all I've got is the outside border part of this block. And I fused that. So that became the border of my art quilt. And I love the way that turned out. That is really cool. I used one of my green hand dyes for that. Um, and the flower itself is all yellows and reds and oranges. So I had gotten all of that done last weekend. When I pulled it out this week, I decided, you know, it still needs something in there. Now, obviously, I'd be quilting in the background, but there was still a lot of white space in there. And I went back and watched her thing about overlays again and was, you know, do I want to use a geometric shape or whatever? And I finally decided, you know what I need is I just need leaves behind it. So I freehand, freehanded, freehand drew leaves coming out behind the flower. And then I, I outline stitched all of that. So I got the whole first step done. Um, when I tweeted a picture of just one of the leaves uh, that I had stitched, Noni pointed out, gee, that looks an awful lot like a philodendron leaf. <laughs> and we've talked about my predilection for philodendrons before. And I said back to her, well, if I know how to do something, I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> I'm going to go for it. And it does work. I mean, it's probably not botanically correct for what kind of leaf this flower would normally have, but it works. So I'm going with it. Um, so now I've gotten to the point where I'm doing the coloring. I've started doing a little bit. I started with the leaves because they're going to be the easy part. The, the, the flower, what I'm thinking is maybe I should have stitched more lines in there because it's going to be really hard. This is where I'm making things more complicated than I need to um, for myself for a project like this is the, the, flower is very, um, it's got like really roughly edges and the way the whole flower is shaped. I can do a lot of that with shading with my, you know, how I do the coloring, but it's going to be really hard to do it. So it looks, it doesn't just end up looking like a colorful blob. Like I really need to get that dimension in there. And, and that's really going to push my artistic coloring and drawing abilities. And I'm kind of thinking, gee, should I've gone in there and stitched in some more lines but I'm gonna what I decided to do is I'm gonna go ahead and color it and see where I'm at um, and I've got a color printout of the flower next to me so I can really be careful about where I'm getting the, the different colors to show up to make that shading and that dimension um, but then I'm gonna go back in and quilt it probably with thread that matches the coloring as much as possible so that the, the lines aren't standing out particularly but they're helping to give some of that dimension or I might even use like invisible thread or something um, so I'm, you know, I'm at the coloring phase, which is something I can do while I'm sitting downstairs watching TV. I can just sit at the kitchen table and color. Uh, so that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to getting that, doing that. I've also done a little bit of spinning this weekend on my, um, my drop spindle. I'm definitely getting more consistent. I'm able to get a thinner uh, yarn now. I'm better at drafting and knowing just how far I can draft. None of this will mean anything to you if you don't know what spinning is, but... Uh, drafting is where you pull apart the fibers a little bit first to before you start spinning them and it, that's what actually determines how wide and how consistent your yarn is and so I'm getting better at learning the fiber and how far I can pull something apart without it completely breaking um, but still getting a more consistent width of yarn I don't mind a little bit of bumpiness because that's what makes it look handmade and that's kind of cool but I mean I'm getting I was starting out with some serious variations in width um my second spinning class, as I was saying on the last episode, I had my second spinning class this past week and we were on the wheel um, and I did really enjoy it, but I, I didn't fall in love with it so much that I need something right now. I'm, I'm going to put off until 2015 whether or not I buy a wheel. Um, so for now, I'm just going to stick with the drop spindle. The, the problem with the wheel, the thing that took me a while to get used to is it's a we were on double treadle, which means you've got two foot pedals. Some wheels, you only have one foot pedal and you just keep it going with that one pedal. On a double treadle, you have two foot pedals. 
but with the double treadle the 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 wheel the spinning wheel goes in either direction it either spins clockwise or counterclockwise and it has to because when you spin your first yarn you want to go in one direction but then when you're plying two yarns together to get to get a two ply or a three ply you have to go the opposite direction so your wheel's got to be able to go either way and the only way you control that is by which foot goes down first or your rhythm determines you know so one foot might go down harder than the other or more quickly and the other one might just be a quick um, thing it there's definitely a trick to getting it to go the right direction and the first wheel i was on i could not get it to keep going in one direction i would get it going in one direction and then all of a sudden it would flip and start going the other direction and i could not figure out what i was doing wrong and i was watching the other student who seemed to be doing a much better consistent um she was also first time on the wheel so you know i was kind of watching what she was doing the other woman who was an experienced spinner there were only three of us in the class she had brought her own wheel and it was a single treadle so i couldn't watch her so a couple times the teacher would sit down at my wheel because she had never used my wheel before um, it was one that they had just recently gotten at the guild used they had bought it used so she wasn't convinced that maybe there wasn't actually something wrong with the wheel and i didn't want to blame the wheel i was like no i think i'm just doing something wrong well she sat down at the wheel a couple times and she said no actually this does have very stiff action it just wasn't turning as easily and so eventually i did switch to the third there was another wheel available another double treadle and so i switched to that one and i still had that problem a little bit at the beginning um but it was a smoother uh action on the wheel the draw was better I, all of these are very technical spinning terms that now i do know um it was generally it was working better than the other one had worked and eventually i did get the rhythm of um, keeping it going in the same direction consistently and the other thing i found is there are times when you just have to stop spinning to draft out or to do whatever you need to do and then get it going again and what i found was much easier is i would get it going by hand i'd reach over to the wheel and just give it a flick by hand and then let my feet kind of follow um, so that worked so i did get an entire ball of yarn spun first ply and then i was able to um, ply two together uh, they're not great shakes. I mean, they're nothing I would necessarily, I did joke that I would have to send them to a knitting friend of mine and see if she could make anything out of them, but they're, I think they're too short. I just don't think you'd be able to even, even if they were usable, I don't think there's enough there to do anything with. Um, but I did enjoy it. It was enough to do to say, yeah, this is something I could see myself doing. Uh, but I'm not, like I said, the spinning wheels are too expensive. Even buying them used, they're a few hundred dollars, and that's just not something I can do this summer. So what I'm doing is thinking, okay, maybe sometime in 2015 I might do that. Meanwhile, I'm really going to work on the drop spindle. Uh, so I've been doing some more drop spindling and getting much better at that as well. And then I'm going to go back to that Fiberfest. I think I mentioned this, that I went last September. I'm going to go again this September and pick up some of the other things I do need, like I need a Nitty Naughty and a Lazy Kate. You can look them up. Um, and at the Fiberfest, you get, first of all, craftsmen. You get you know people who make these things in their own wood shops and their garages, and so they can have beautiful wood and everything, but they're also not as expensive as ordering it and having it shipped to you. Um, and I might pick up another drop spindle. I've got two right now. I've got a top whirl and a bottom whirl, but the top whirl is a fairly lightweight one, and I think I want one that's a little bit heavier because I'm tending to use heavier fibers and they really do work better with a heavier drop spindle. So now that I've worked with a few different ones and I had borrowed hers, a couple of hers during the, the first class, and I have a different feel for how these different drop spindles feel altogether, um, I do think I know now what I'd be looking for if I went and bought a drop spindle. I haven't gotten to dyeing the fibers yet. That'll probably happen in August because that I have to learn a whole different process from what I've been doing with the hand dyeing. And no, really, seriously, I'm still not interested in knitting. Nobody can seem to believe this. Everybody's like, oh, just wait, you'll get into knitting. Probably not until I'm retired, if even then. I don't like knitting. I, my grandmother tried to teach me how to knit and how to crochet and embroidery, I think, when I was a kid. I never liked knitting. Crochet, I did. And I could kind of maybe see myself picking up crochet again at some point. But really, no time soon, folks. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Now, what I really like are the fibers, the spinning, and the dyeing. That's what I like. I could care less what happens to it when I'm done with it. Um, Lottie did mention that she had gotten into um, dyeing embroidery floss 
and had said, well, you know, I'd said at the beginning I wasn't going to do embroidery. That is actually something I, I like doing some hand. I don't do the fine, fussy kind of embroidery. I do more, you know, primitive, whimsical embroidery, but I do enjoy doing that. And I just haven't found the right thread yet. I've been looking for what kinds of threads to dye for that um, so that I can do my own. I can also see myself doing felting, yes. Um, what I was just talking about with BFF, BQF, Kate today while we were driving back from lunch is I said one of the things I've kind of thought about is I've talked on this podcast before about my frustration as an art quilter. I like to use yarn as embellishment, but I don't want to buy a whole skein of it. I just want little bags of interesting selections. And I've thought, okay, well, if I do get into spinning and hand dyeing yarn, maybe that's what I do. Instead of making a whole skein of yarn, I chop it up into 18-inch lengths, and then I create packages of this mixed bag specifically for embellishments and art quilting and that kind of thing. Um, maybe that's a niche I can fill. Niche. Niche. I grew up calling it a niche. Sorry, we're Western New Yorkers. Um, so that might be something I do. But yeah, not knitting. Really. No. Not going to happen. <laughs> so... Um, wow, this, this got a lot longer than I thought. And my daughter just told me that dinner's ready. So I'm going to pause this now. I'm going to go eat and then hopefully do the listener feedback and that kind of thing. If I haven't completely destroyed my jaw at that point. Okay. My daughter's mac and cheese turned out very nicely, but now I am beat. I think everything's sort of taking its toll. So all I'm going to do is go through, um, the comments I got that did not have to do with the second quarter check-in. And I will do the second quarter check-in next time. So I want to say thank you to um, Daisy W., who was so excited about posting, she posted three times in a row. Apparently, uh, there's been a glitch because a couple of people had this happen on my um, comments where if you leave a comment, somehow it repeats two or three times. I don't quite know uh, what's going on, but I'll keep an eye on that for the next few weeks and see if it's something that does happen repeatedly, and then I'll go to the tech support people. Um, but in any case, Daisy W., when I had posted my own Quilty Resolution second quarter check-in, I had said something about how I didn't feel like making hand-dyed fabric was really counting as adding to my stash, and she agreed. She says, making hand-dyed fabric definitely doesn't count as adding stash. It's a creative process that just happens to leave you with awesome fabric at the end. So I very much agree with that. Thank you so much, Daisy. And, um... Philippa, Philippa, I'm sorry, you, you need to tell me where the accent on your name goes, um, but I always think of you as Ozzy Pip anyway. Also commented on my um, postcard swap reveal where I talked about my chicken butt postcard and she really liked it and she said she didn't know about chicken butt before this uh, and she never went back. She, when she started listening to my podcast episode, she just came in where I was at that point and um, and decided not to go back and start at the beginning because it takes too long and then she can't leave comments on stuff that are too far in the past or, you know, whatever. So she's still catching up on some of these conversations that I started below these many years ago. Um, but it's nice to have you on board now, Ozzy Pip, no matter when you started listening. And also thank you to Jackie, who um, posted on the same a blog post that she did recognize chicken butt and was wondering what I was going to do with him. So she thought it was a very cute idea. And she also liked the postcard that Sue had sent to me for that swap. And AJ Dub loves chicken butt takes a dive. She can't believe those little bitty pieces and liked the waves just fine, even though I wasn't altogether happy with the way they turned out, but they worked well enough. Jackie also commented on my second quarter 2014 Quilty Resolutions check-in, and she said her pesky monkeys are still lingering in her studio. She's done a good job avoiding them by getting other things done. <laughs> and I have to agree, I'd, I'd even said to my daughter one day at work last week, um, because again, I work from home, and so my daughter was sitting downstairs as I went down for lunch, and I said, it's amazing how productive you can be when you're avoiding doing that one thing you really just don't want to do. I'd gotten a whole lot of stuff done for work that day, but none of it was what I really needed to get done because I just didn't want to do what I had to get done. Um, Kate from Quilting Daydreams. Nice to hear from you, Kate. She says on that same blog post, I have no made no progress at all on anything, well, except having a baby. 
I now have four daughters and no time at all to sew. I am on the move all the time and my sewing machine is out and staring at me soulfully. Um, you know, having a baby, pretty big accomplishment. Having four daughters to raise definitely will keep you busy. So we'll give you a free pass for another few years. Once they all get in school, though, then the bets are off and we'll expect to see some progress again. And thank you so much to Jane, who is a new listener who emailed me. And it was a wonderful email. I really enjoyed hearing your own history of um, your starting of quilting and then your break from quilting for a few years and now that you're kind of getting back. And I'm glad you found Quilting Podcasts and I hope you um, are starting to check out a lot of the other ones that are also out there. Uh, so thank you for joining our little Quilting for the Rest of Us community, Jane, and I'm looking forward to hearing more from you in the future as well. And I will be responding to your email uh, soon. I just had a lot going on this weekend, so I haven't gotten to it yet, but I will definitely be responding to it. Um, so thank you, everybody who commented. And again, because I was running the check-in, I was getting a lot of comments over there. But I will respond to those next time because, yes, my mouth is getting kind of sore right now. So I think it's time for me to just sort of stop talking or doing anything um, Although, yes, for those of you who are interested, macaroni and cheese is very gummable. <laughs> so I, I was able to eat dinner. Um, and I just hope everything goes well tomorrow and is not too painful and I can go back to normal life again after that. Although, as I was saying to a friend of mine, in the grand scheme of things, is this if this is the only issue I have going on right now, I'm still doing pretty well. Um, doing all right with that. So uh, I will... It, I'm hoping I will podcast. What I might do is podcast sometime later this week, but not wait until the weekend. Next weekend, uh, we have family coming in from out of town. They're not staying with us, but they are in from out of town and just, you know, family events every single night. And then the weekend after that is when we're throwing the big party for my brother-in-law here at the house. I think I've talked about that in previous episodes. And then the weekend after that and the weekend after that, I will be gone for work. Um, I leave the week after that we have the party here. So to tell the truth, I am not entirely sure that I'm going to be getting out any podcast episodes for several weeks. So what I will try to do is later this week, I will do one. Maybe I'll just uh, go ahead and record it, but then schedule it to go live at some point when I'm not actually around. Uh, and I will respond to the second quarter check-in uh, resolution, you know, okay, can you tell I just sort of hit a wall? <laughs> um, uh, and I, I will do everything that I just said I was going to do and maybe talk about if I've made further progress on my current quilty projects, that kind of thing. But other than that, you may not hear from me for several weeks. Do not fear or do not cheer because <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm, I'm not, I've dropped out of podcasting. It just means this is my busy time for work. Um, and after the first of, uh, I get back somewhere around the first, second or third of August, I don't remember. And things in August are a little bit slower. So um, at least knock on wood so far, they're still a little bit slower. So I should be able to kind of get back onto a regular schedule then. Um, so that all being said, until next time, go get your quilty on. Oops, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you how to get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. You can that Sandy with a Y quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, and Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy with a Y quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group, and please do, because I really love seeing your pictures there. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team, um, and you will find links to all of those things on my blog at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Now, until the next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.